be able to pay for not able to have enough gas money to go somewhere you fucking scrubs <laughs> eating off other people's meal plans yep two plus two don't know how to calculate gas <laughs> <laughs> bro I just like I don't know man you think about like what dudes it for could have become if we really stuck with it that's just like you can't I mean you obviously can't live with ragrets but it's also just just fun to think about because it's that one idea of the, that we had not not an original idea but like how early it was for its time yeah because podcasts were really thing what's so funny about that is that we thought like we might have been a little bit late back then yeah but when you consider how like we were the, so early yeah we were definitely in the early because yeah. there's people who talk about nothing they got nothing on dudes at four <laughs> We wrote voice essays on Crazy Stupid Love. We did. We made a goddamn chart. We did. We did. I'm recording. I was recording the test, right? But, you know, honestly, this is probably okay for the intro. Like, do you think I we mean, can just dive in? Does the sky fall? <laughs> does it crumble? Yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, we've been singing the Skyfall theme song. Obviously, you guys wouldn't know, but we've been singing the Skyfall theme song randomly. And that's what Alex was just referencing. So... Obviously, if you want a cover of the Skyfall theme song by Adele, hit Alex up. Or unsubscribe. <laughs> or resubscribe, tell your friends about it, get us up to a certain number of views, and then you know, we then we'll have to record yeah. a Skyfall cover. Awesome. So we're just jumping in, I guess. You know, like I said, I was originally turning it on to do an audio test, but like, I think we're okay. Yeah. What What is the name of this podcast? Yeah, uh, we got to do the intro. That's what I was partially referencing. Uh, welcome to the No Happiness Podcast. Podcast where wait. <laughs> welcome to the No Happiness Podcast, where there are no happy endings, just happy friendings. A podcast where we ask three levels of questions, where we get to get to know friends, friends of friends, friends of friends of friends. But we're not doing that because things have changed. Quarantine's made things different. I was doing distance podcasting before, but now I'm doing in person podcasting with one person essentially. I would say that he's a guest at this point, but really he's not a guest anymore because we've done this like five or six weeks in a row. Yeah. So, just co-hosting really just a revival of dudes at 4am minus aaron so some would argue that we need aaron i guess <laughs> how's it going everyone it's alex yeah that's alex this is brian i uh, i don't know exactly what we're gonna t- well there's a couple of things we talked about talking about today right well we talk about a lot of things and and we it's like half catching up a half like you know us talking about things that like we don't know how to process at the time and now we have the right words and the right medium and the right set in mind. And I was talking to Brian and like our group of friends about something. Lately, there are some games I'm like really passionate about and some games I'm not. And I was talking to them about Pokemon because I found this video talking about why the main Pokemon games are now not so great. Um, mm-hmm. And we could probably post a link about that video if they want to reference it. Yeah, I can put that in the yeah. show notes. Um, I don't know the artist or the creator, but shout out to him for an excellent video that I thought was like pretty informative. Because basically, what happened, if y'all know, Nintendo Switch is a pretty popular platform. Pokemon's a pretty popular franchise. Mm-hmm. You put them together, and you have a best-selling game of like century 2019, 2020. Is it the most selling game on Switch? It might be. I mean, with two, it might be. I'd say it's up there because I'm sure it's up there. You know, I outside of Animal Crossing, I, w- I would year. guess like Animal Crossing, Smash Fortnite. Brothers, probably one of those Super Mario games. Yeah, up there too. Um, I mean, 
last year was like there's some releases but it wasn't as strong as the year before no, I'm talking about like Switch all time Switch all time yeah it has some competition Venue. As it turns out, I just looked it up. Is it? Number one is Mario Kart 8. Yo. Number two is Animal Crossing New Horizons. <sighs> number three is Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. <sighs> number four is Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. <sighs> number five, Pokemon Sword and Shield. Holy crap, I own all those games. Except Animal Crossing. <laughs> but anyway. You also own the sixth game. Zelda DX? Nah, Super Mario Odyssey. Hey. <laughs> number seven is a surprise, actually. Splatoon 2? No. Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. That's not that surprising. That's kind of surprising. People love nostalgia, man. I guess so. Kids especially. But anywho. Super play... Mario Party is number eight? Dude, people love the party. I do love Mario Party. All right, go ahead. Um, So Sword and Shield came out about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I play with a group of friends, Aaron and Jackson, who've all been on the show. And a few others. Willie, too, actually. So, Alyssa. Alyssa, yeah, yeah. And um, we all bought it at launch and, like, I, we always do that, like, we're a group of people who, like, we always play mainly mm-hmm. Pokemon games, and it was fun, and you'll get the raid together and all that, but, like, overall, I'm pretty underwhelmed with, like, the last few releases, especially the mainline games, like, X and Y, yeah. Sun and Moon, and I just, like, I could put it into a few words, but then they got the DLC came out, which mm-hmm. is essentially, if you're unfamiliar with Pokemon, usually they release two versions, and then they release a third version, like, a year after, to fix all the bugs, add new content, kind of put like the finishing flair on that generation of Pokemon. Yep. And so it's usually a superior version. And in this form, in this generation, mm-hmm. the DLC seems like to be that third game, which should be the polish. And it's a bunch of new worlds. You pay extra for it. But this time it's a DLC, which is new for the Pokemon franchise. Yeah. And I didn't buy it. I was like, I was, I did not, I was not impressed with the raids. I was not impressed with the new generation Pokemon. I felt it was really underwhelming for the first console mm. Pokemon games. But Yax and Aaron bought it, and they were like, oh, why don't you do it so you can raid with us? And I'm, like, watching the game. I'm looking at them. You get to catch legendaries that you yep. learned past games. Mm-hmm. You get to raid with a few friends. There's a few new mechanics, new Gigantamax Pokemon. But a lot of these a lot of these things are relying on things that have already been pretty established, and none of them are pretty innovative. Mm-hmm. And essentially what the video was talking about, that kind of visualize my feelings in in a really concise format is that just there's a lack of effort on what's being innovated in Pokemon. Me and Brian just had a talk about like uh Yeah. How games have pushed that envelope and how a game how a franchise like Pokemon is twenty years at least deep right now and is not even like close to like yeah. trying hard. You know, that's again it's it's one of those things where I'm I'm not knocking people who enjoy Pokemon because I I love the Pokemon games that I did play. I I obviously haven't played all of them like many people have or like you. Um, one of the things that I would say though, right, is that that they, as the core of their game, haven't necessarily changed, and that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing, but it needs to it needs to really capitalize on what it's strong on, and it didn't do that either. Because it's like, one of the things that makes a game special in a lot of ways, and people will argue whether it's story or gameplay mechanics or like just like how fun it is or how clever it is or whatever. But the thing about it is, it's just most games, they do one or two things just incredibly well, right? And then they do most everything else pretty well. And then 
there's probably one or two drawbacks, except for the occasional game that you're just like, fuck it, I don't even care that it has drawbacks, I didn't even notice, doesn't matter to me. Zelda, for example, uh, just has always been really wonderful about exploration. And literally every single game, not every single game, but 90% of the Zelda games, you know that you're rescuing Princess Zelda or you're saving Princess Zelda in some way or you're just getting her to join your side in some way and you're you're going to beat Ganon, right? That's That's the core of the game. But they've changed that formula in so many different ways and so many different things over the years because they've made new dungeons that are innovative based on, like, the puzzle you have to complete or a new gameplay mechanic or a different, like weapon that you've gotten in this game because you know ocarina of time had it's like the lock on target thing which is super innovative at the time it came out because a lot of a lot of it's not it's not really recognized by most games i would say but nowadays but that kind of lock on mechanic where you have multiple enemies is definitely i would say the first iteration i remember of it is ocarina of time actually yeah it kind of defined that and changed a game that was like very much yeah, it like kind of redefined action-adventure third-person, yeah. because yeah. you change the whole mechanic because it's it becomes like a combat situ- simulator. It makes it way more crispy because yeah. it makes you feel like you're actually this warrior in this place that can actually, like, focus mm-hmm. in a fight as opposed to just, like, wildly swinging your sword and right. hoping to hit something. And it's not, like, not to knock on another game, but it's like, you know, Fire Emblem is a tactics game where mm-hmm. it has a medieval setting, and when you attack an opponent, it goes into a cutscene. It's like yeah. a separate... It almost feels like a separate thing is happening. Yeah. But in Zelda, when you press Z, the whole game shifts your focus to that enemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it like it's very, really a different experience. Yeah. That's not even. I mean, that's not even knocking Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem is a different game yeah. altogether. Like tactics, just... you, you play tactics for tactics, not for its like innovation and in gameplay. Right. right. And so, the whole point I'm trying to make is that like. Zelda over the years has always like punched through on that stuff. Like whenever a new Zelda game comes out, you can expect new weapons that are innovative and fun and like new mechanics mm-hmm. that you just never played with before, like something like like a puzzle that's completely different or like a puzzle that mm-hmm. actually like challenges your brain yeah. or like a fight that's just different. Right. And for better or for worse, it's usually a reflection of that console's power or mm-hmm. like innovation. And Nintendo just happens to have a console's there are always like new gaming mechanics that are directly gaming, not necessarily like powerhouse yeah. output or anything like that. So, like better or worse, like whether you like it or not, they're at least like experimenting and trying new things with a with a franchise that's very formulaic for things that's well known for. Yeah, every game pushes it. Yeah, and obviously Zelda changes its story from game to game too. So I'm not saying it's repetitive in that way. I'm just saying that the formula that you're dealing with, in some shape or form, is that you're playing. Link, you're more than likely dealing with some Ganon, and you're more than likely trying to help a Zelda, right? right? That's just the facts. And that's the thing, too. Like, you know, even though you have those expectations, I think the thing above all than gameplay and graphics and all that is that every game you get that you that you would acclaim, that you would give critical acclaim to mm-hmm. has given you a new experience when you're playing. And that's my biggest gripe with Pokemon. Like, every mm. every game as vast as so much effort has been put into different things mm-hmm. i don't feel like i'm playing a new game anymore mm. it just feels very stale and it's hard when you have franchise like like games like you're seeing new releases but like yeah. they're old franchise like ps5 now the one of the hottest games coming out spider-man miles Morales, a game that's already been out but they're giving you a whole new experience 
the New Horizon Zero Dawn sequel, mm. a franchise you know, but it's gonna hopefully give you new experiences. Yeah, and that's what Pokemon's lacking in my experience. Like, it doesn't matter whether you're a trainer who's a kid, or you're a breeder or a train or a gym leader. It doesn't matter if they change that narrative or storyline. Mm-hmm. They're not giving you anything new, and I know Pokemon's pretty formulaic, but if you're buying something, it's the same thing, then you're not really getting anything new. You're just paying more to play the same. Yeah, and I think part of it too, and again, this is going to sound like we're like knocking on Pokemon. And again, I, I would say, I know there's there's a lot of people that have enjoyed Sword and Shield, and I haven't played Sword and Shield personally. I've just watched a lot of Sword and Shield because I was watching you guys play it while I was mm-hmm. doing other stuff in the background. But my whole point is this, is that I just feel like when I was watching it being played, I feel like there was missed opportunities for really special kind of experiences in game development. And I say that just as somebody who's played a lot of RPGs and played a lot of different video games and just, like, experience and, like, really, really examined what it means to create a special experience in video games. Because uh, I I say Xenoblade Chronicles is, like, probably my favorite game of all time now. because And that's one that I've heard, played fairly recently. But the... I say that it's my favorite just because I really love how they handled exploration in that game. You can really, really explore every single spot on the map, and you can go wherever you want. And even if you kind of break something by jumping over it when you're not supposed to be at that area before that level, you'll get punished for it, but at the same time, you get to do this cool thing where you got to explore a randomly high-level place by accident, and you're like, whoa, this is so crazy. Or you'll see, like this huge like dinosaur thing and it'll like stomp you in a second and you're just like oh shit okay don't go there again and to think like that there's like when i watch sword and shield there's so much stuff that's in the background that you can't access do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like i've watched it and like you'll go into a town and there are towns that you can go into and then everything else is fenced off yeah like it's just like you're going into this little sandbox whereas if if you were playing Sword and Shield and, like, imagine if in the city that you started in, you're in Sword and Shield and, then like, in the background, you see this this hill, this, like, huge mountain in the background. And then you're playing through the game and you're like, man, I wonder if I'm ever going to get to that mountain. Mm-hmm. And then you notice that, like, you don't get to the mountain until, like, after you can beat the game. It's like, oh, this area opened up. You go up the mountain and there's a fucking legendary Pokemon chilling up there. It's like, oh, this actually pays off. Like, what? That's why they showed me the mountain. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's just so much, like, going on in the background that you don't get to, like, nothing. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't pay off, it looks like. Yeah. And, yeah, that actually happens a lot. And that's kind of frustrating. Like, and when you've seen it, those are like empty areas. And then when it, it when you're first introduced to those towns, that might be a spot where an item is. Like, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're shaped like a Pokeball. Yeah. Like yeah. those little empty mm-hmm. spaces. But yeah, it's a lot of wasted space for like, oh, something that's like super old in terms of Pokemon. Like an item laying around in the grass has been around since the game started, yeah. right? Which is cool. But you're dedicating a whole part of a map to that. Instead of making this feel like an open world, it just feels like a track, a linear track that you're on. And, like, if you think about, like, like Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. like, when you're in the open world and you're fighting random things, like, you're already on your quest. You have limitations in terms of your travel starting on, but you can go anywhere you want. Yeah. And it, it kind of mirrors, like, a real-world effect. Like, like, if you were exploring a city, like, Chicago or anyway. You can literally go, you can literally walk anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then your limits are, like, where you're at. Like, 
if you come to water, you and need to lost. find a boat. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> you go to a train, you have a barrier, you need to do something, right? But mm-hmm. in Pokemon, you come to a barrier and you can't do anything about it. Yeah. Like, you literally cannot. There's nothing in-game allowing you to explore. And Final Fantasy, yeah. you have options of exploring these avenues or you explore something you're not supposed to, like in Xenoblade, and you get beat up for it. So it's yeah. like, well, in a game that's like, you know, a world, and it's mm-hmm. advertising that first open world mm-hmm. I was describing to you before as like you know these worlds aren't really like an open world as modern gamers know it's more like an, a glorified safari zone yeah where it's a town and then it's a fat area and I say fat like vast <laughs> but it's just a bigger area and then there's literally a staircase to the next town yeah and like let's go back to what you were saying for a second there because I, one of the arguments that people will make is that, like, you know, people love the old Pokemon games, so what you're getting is just a reskinned old Pokemon game, so why complain about it? And that's, like, exactly why you would complain about it, is because at this point, you're not even getting enhanced versions of the things that you love, mm-hmm. right? So it makes sense in the old Pokemon games that a fucking tree stops your entire progress because they're the 2D, like, exploration movement kind of things. It's like, okay, it's a game, so obviously they put a tree here. But, like, when you see it in a 3D world, it feels real fucking silly. You know what I mean? It's like, bro, like, I got this bike that can, like, power up and, like, turn into a boat and, like, turn into, like, a four-wheel boat or something. And but I can't, can't, like... Get around a patch of grass. I can't climb over this fence. Like, <laughs> And it's stuff like that that's just like, okay, if you're going to do that, you just really need to execute it better. Yeah. It, it needs to not be a fence. It needs to be a town wall or, like, a brick. Like, just, like... Something put a little bit more F- yeah yeah because the in, in the original pokemon these little pixelated barriers are representative right yeah like the cave that's like the, the size of your trainer times like 10 is just a door like it's just meant to be an entrance and then it leads to another area mm-hmm. but then when the same problems happen when you have a real size person and you make a real size tree and you're having weirder limitations it's just like it doesn't connect there's a huge disconnect and it's like you're trying to yeah, it's keep not... the other old gamers by showing them something they're familiar with, but you're like exemplifying the worst parts of those games. It's not charming anymore no. when you render it that way. Yeah. yeah, It's one of those things where it would have benefited... Like, you just have to... You have to fully commit to whatever thought process you're going to. And that's why... That's one of the things that I find most disappointing about a lot of games. When I, when I dislike a game that I'm playing, it's because I feel like they didn't buy into their own world. You know, they're like halfway in between what they wanted to do and halfway in between somebody else's idea. Like, I can even respect games that I don't like, but they fully bought into their concept. They were like, we're all in on this, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, okay, you know, that's the path you decided to take. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's not for me. But when I see a game that's like halfway in between two places, I'm just thinking to myself, like, this is poor poor development. Like, yeah. you didn't have good direction. Here. It has to go all one way and like, spider-man is definitely like that where it's like it fully wants you to feel like spider-man so above all else when you swing you feel it like it's it's its own experience when you're fighting it does have resemblance of like a batman arkham game yeah but he has things that make him feel like spider-man so like you buy into it you know Uh you buy into the experience and then the way i mean the arkham games are a good example too because they 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 really play on the detective mode i mean not Arkham Knight so much, but that's a different thing. But, like, Asylum and City, 
really, really play mm-hmm. up being a detective. Mm-hmm. And they really do a great job because, like, you know, you're introduced to detective mode and you get to see, like, you get to really, like, solve these problems. And, mm-hmm. like, you get to see how, like, you, like, Batman is, like, monologuing a lot of the time, actually, funny enough. And you just accept that because he's just talking out loud to Alfred or whatever, but, like, not really. And the whole point is that he's, like, you see him picking up clues as he's walking around, and mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, like, this is actually really yeah. cool. Like, and then the developers, like, buy into it, too. Like, they have this whole history, they have this whole lore of Batman, and they use it all out. They go yeah, all out. They're they really dig, do. They dig deep. They put fun nods for comic fans. Mm-hmm. But they also try to make sense, like, in the gaming world, like, which hero, which villains would work, which ones wouldn't. And that's what, like prompted their choices about yeah. how they designed the or game or like which ones need to be reworked for the video game yeah. Like, version mm-hmm. yeah and they and they changed a lot of stuff too and then I mean like another game that like fully commits is like Shadow of the Colossus yeah like you are literally this one person your main skill other than like stabbing things is ability to climb and navigate like you're pro- problem solving in real life like terrain like mm-hmm. there's no there's outside of the colossi <laughs> That, which I think is a plural form. Is it? I believe. Okay. I hope so. I mean... Well, someone ought to correct me. Colossuses? Colossuses? Colossi? But basically, outside of those Colossuses, you're <laughs> exploring hills, yeah, water, grass, mm-hmm. desert, as a normal guy with a sword and a bow. He literally has no other powers other yeah. than really great grip strength. And he's not jacked. He's just this scrawny dude... If you fall off a mountain, you're dead. Yeah. If you get stomped on, you're dead. It's like you fall off your horse, you're dead. And they didn't have to make you powerful as a player. Yeah. They just empower you to like figure it out, you yeah. know? They, they really make you feel like you're a regular person. Yeah. Trying to solve these unworldly problems. Yeah. Which is crazy. But I mean, that's the aspect that they're going for. And again... I just think that there's just so many missed opportunities when I'm watching these Pokemon games get played because I think to myself, think about how big the world that you could have made and how unique it could have been in terms Mm -hmm. of exploration and just getting to actually feel like you found something in some place. Like, imagine... Like like I said, I didn't even play Sword and Shield. But imagine that it had some kind of, like, just small mechanic, like, you're, you're riding through... And you're looking for something, and you you have no idea, right? And you, the trick is that you have to ride in a circle around a tree four times, and you get a shiny ratata. Mm-hmm. Like, just think about how silly some some of these things could have been, yeah. but how fun that would have been, right? Yeah. Because like the first person who discovers that, they're like, what the "Oh, heck? what the heck happened here? Like, yeah. I rode around a tree four times, and a shiny ratata appeared." Yeah. Right? Like, and, make it, like, a weird world. Yeah, like, you can totally lean into this whole thing of exploration and doing, like, funky, weird side quests, but they yeah. don't really do that. No, and it's like, you know, the the thing that I talk about is, like, Batman has, like, a whole lore. Uh-huh. Like, he has a whole comic book history to draw on, right? But that's his limit, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you can maybe make a character or two, which they've done, which is great, but, like, you have to make it within the world of Batman or DC. Gotham, yeah. Pokemon basis is the whole god dang world <laughs> there's a god pokemon there's space and time pokemon there's a dragon mythical pokemon there's freaking magnet pokemon there's freaking co- pokemon made of keys yeah and like the the imagination like my, i have similar complaints about 
rosters or generations of Pokemon. Mm -hmm. But I think that's not that's not the argument here. The argument is you have a whole world as your basis, yeah, where you can do weird things, and it's so plain and just dull. Like every dialogue just kind of points in the next direction. Characters do say offhand things, but they don't really lead to a lot of stuff happening. And you know, like you would like if you talk to like, you know, it's a typical RPG thing. Like if yeah. you go into a town, try to talk to as many people, figure out stuff about the town, and like. They're just going to direct you to points that are already highlighted. They're not directing you to weird avenues because you talk to them. Mm -hmm. They're just directing you back to main points. And it just doesn't want you to, like... It doesn't want you to explore the world. It just wants you to complete the game. Yeah. To say that you became a Pokemon Master. And for us who have been playing since the first generation, I'm a Pokemon Master seven times over. Yeah. And I want more. And even a kid, like, you tell... Like, if you show him, like, you're watching yeah. Pokemon... Dog. Go ahead, go ahead, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> like, you tell him he's watching Pokemon, and his goal is to become a Pokemon master, and he's been watching Ash try to do it for 20 years, and he's not doing it, mm. you gotta change something, because it's not working. So if you've already done it, and you see a kid on TV not doing it, it's just, it's just a giant disconnect, because the, the, the mm. show is trying to teach kids, be a Pokemon master, Yeah. even if you fail, which is a good lesson, but it's like, to the games... You've already been doing that, so like, let's make something different, or like, let's put something past. Yeah, I there's definitely an argument to be made there for that. And one of the things that I would say is that Pokemon is very afraid to break out of what they, the formula that they've created. And I think that that honestly isn't just in reference to the games; that's in reference to the anime and the manga and everything that exists in terms of Pokemon. Because think about all the stuff that you could create, right? And so the the thing is is that you're saying the goal has always been to poke be a Pokemon master, but like, what if the goal was literally, you know, to just just think about like all the time in the world that they have access to in Pokemon. So like, if they decided to make a game, and I'll come back to this Pokemon master point in a second, but what if they decided to make a game that wasn't set in whatever time they have it set in now, and it was set in like ancient time. Mm -hmm. and it was like before cities before pokeballs exist even yeah and you're 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 some fucking tribesman and you you're bonding with the pokemon essentially so you and your pokemon party are traveling around basically your purpose is to just defend your town you're trying to be the hero for they your can... town you're just running these errands and the only way you can get it done is with your pokemon homies right you don't have a pokeball so you can't travel with the box so like it, it, it has different stakes altogether. Yeah. So your 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 three homies are your three homies, or your six homies are your six homies. Whatever the number is, mm -hmm. that's like your 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 group of dudes. Yeah. Because then you have to like let you have to release if they're not going to come with you, you know. Yeah. And it's like scratch like there's so much that you can do by scratching like different aspects aspects of it that you can scratch the technology part of the Pokemon and you'd be like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, what was it like when they were going back when? Like when it was archaic. Because yeah. then you're talking about a time when, like, you're not trying to be a Pokemon master. You're trying to be a hero of your village. But that also is the one that can, like, work with Pokemon. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they've done this before. And, like, with, like, they had a Pokemon Conquest on DS. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which was, like, a tactics game with Pokemon as, like, your, like, allies in battle. Yeah. And now it's, like, such a cool concept. And it was just, it was just one game in, like, a sea of Pokemon. Mm -hmm. And it's, like... That game is actually really awesome, you know? They could make more of that. 
but it's kind of brushed off because it wasn't mainstream and that's unfortunately what main people like people want they want the main pokemon games i mean how many years people were complaining that pokemon was always on a handheld and now it's on this console mm-hmm. and it's so unfortunate that this sword and shield is the console release and i'll disclaimer all this by saying you know i bought shield like i played through it and i did enjoy it when i was playing it but i mean the main purpose of all this is that like there's nothing keeping me coming back to this like mm-hmm. breath of the wild i've beaten it and i would play it like for 200 more hours like yeah it's just so fun mm-hmm like every experience, every fight, like there's always risks. Like you fight, like you want a challenge, go fight the Lionels, get hit with like ten hit, ten heart hits. Yeah. Like you'll use all your equipment if you want to explore. You can explore more towns. Yeah. Or like even Final Fantasy VII remake. I've been thinking about a lot, and I played that last year, and I got through it into the end. And there's just stuff about the game that's so fun. Like it just capitalized on the combat mm-hmm. really well outside of aerial combat and team mechanics and i would play again even though i know what's happening at the end because just it's so much fun to just enjoy battle especially with the game that's a remake for crying out loud well yeah i mean that the there there are basically two markers that i use for whether or not i feel like i really enjoyed a game right and one of them is do i play the game after i beat it and the other one is is am i sad when it's ending Mm -hmm. you know because it's like when you get to a point like and this is the similar con- this is a similar idea to anybody who's enjoyed any kind of media is like you if you watch a show for 8 seasons and you know it's about to end and you're sad on that prospect you're like like that's a good show yeah. at least to you like that show is special mm-hmm. to you whether or not it's good critically whatever but the whole point is it's just like you you feel a certain type of way when it's coming to an end right and i just don't get that that that's the impression in this case yeah i was actually pretty relieved to finish sword and shield like you're just happy it's over i mean yeah <laughs> honestly because you know and i'll put this a spoiler alert so if you're playing sword and shield for the first time i'm gonna put big fat spoiler alert because i'm gonna talk about the ending which isn't really anything new for anyone playing mm-hmm. pokemon but basically they kind of hype up this this chairman of the tournament that becomes in essence what the elite four is and essentially the gym leaders fight like the past gym leaders fight in a bracket style tournament to become champion mm-hmm. so it's interesting that it was a cool mechanic and like it was like oh gym leaders are actually competing to be in the elite four or become the pokemon champion that's different that's awesome yeah the end the chair master tries to destroy the world you go fight the legendary stop him with the other legendary and then you fight the champion and then the game's set and then it's credits roll mm-hmm. and your last thing you do is fight the champion and that's it. It's the same thing that happened in Red and Blue. And mm. it's like, in the Hall of Fame, like, that I share to no one. Like, <laughs> you know, like, you, and then you have to go on an hour-long quest after the game to retain your legendary. And that's it. Like, you fight the battle tower if you want to battle anymore, but you're already sick of the Pokemon, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That, like, you know, the battling's not any different than it was in, like, Diamond and Pearl. Like, it's literally not. So, it's just... Mm. If you count Gigantamax, that's three turns of, like, different gameplay. That's it. And that's... It's not new. Yeah. It's actually so interesting that, you know, because you're coming at this from somebody who's played all of the Pokemon games. Mm-hmm. And I'm coming at it as somebody who's just... I mean, 
I've played some of the Pokemon games, but I haven't played any of the recent ones. You get a I, lot of hearsay from me and you. Yeah, no, I get a lot of hearsay, but also I'm just kind of approaching it from somebody who has played a lot of games and is just looking at it from a game development standpoint, right? Because you, there are just things that I don't feel like they've done to really, really innovate. And they had Pokken. Pokken was fun, mm-hmm. I hear. I mean, it, it was... I think it was a little bit... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it didn't... It doesn't have as much depth as you would hope for a fighting game. I think I, I think it relied on the fact that it's almost like Tekken that people would automatically know and then buy into it. Yeah. And I, mm. I, I can say I was definitely excited for the concept, but I, I mean, big thing for me for fighting games is a little tangent, but like roster and gameplay are like the big things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Graphics are like a good third, but not necessarily needed. Mm-hmm. But like I looked at the roster and it looked kind of weak. It looked kind of weird and then like i watched it being played and it didn't really look exciting yeah and so it didn't seem like it was a fully fleshed out idea yeah so one of the things is is like i've i've tossed out the idea of being like pre-technology pokemon game right but just think about all that could be and how much potential there really is when you control this entire universe that you really could do whatever you wanted with it but they decide to essentially keep going with this same formula of eight gyms and explore this region and this region doesn't even really have secrets right that's kind of the thing is that i think the exploration feels lacking because Mm -hmm. there are no secrets like you're not finding things you're just going place to place yeah and and if you're looking for a specific pokemon you look in this section of the grass if you're looking for this pokemon then he's out in these fields if you're looking for if you're trying to get to the next town, you take this path, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not like you're doing enough secret weird things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not like, dig these holes in this order randomly. by ex- And that's what I'm saying. Like, you shouldn't have to find these things necessarily. But you should find, like, if you're playing a game, and let's just say, let's just use these numbers as an example. You're playing a game, and it has ten secrets, Okay. I don't think you should find 10 secrets on your first playthrough. I think you should find basically like three by accident. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if you find those three and then you're like, oh, like, I wonder what this mechanic was for. And then you're like, oh, okay. Like, I'm playing through this and it's like, oh, this is interesting. If it's like a set of armor that you're assembling, obviously you're going to try and do your best to assemble that entire set of armor. Like, you'll you'll go look it up or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that's my whole point is that you look it up and you're like, oh, there was seven more of these things that I could have found. So it's like, I found the three like i found two of the legendary birds right. in this game not that not that they're in there in the story or whatever in randomly but it's like oh so the third one must be here somewhere that yeah. makes you want to play more that makes you explore more that makes you look around more yeah. and that doesn't really exist yeah and that's that's something i have two points about that because like, if you think a game like unfortunately the the reference is zelda but like if you think about <laughs> ocarina of time and you think about um the bigger sword mm-hmm. yeah. how crazy that sword is but you think about how you get it, and it's called the trading game. And you basically just talk to people, and you trade random things. Yeah. You get, you save a chicken, you get a chicken egg. You give the egg to someone, you get like the milk, and you get the milk, and you bring it to the right person. They give you like an axe, and the person gives you an axe, and you give it to like, like a letter to yeah. a princess, and you take that letter and you mail it to the right person, and then it like all leads. Yeah. They're so bizarre. It's such a weird scenario, and it all leads to the formation of a sword. And it's so unnecessary. You do yeah. not have to do this. But you do it and you're rewarded in such a big way. You just flex on hose. And the thing, oh man. <laughs> I'm about to play it again just to relive it. But 
um, the thing you bring up about like finding Pokemon is like, and I will address this too because I was a Pokemon. I like played Pokemon. I would say Diamond and Pearl pretty furiously, mm-hmm. up to like, I would say five hundred hours. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was like, with me and Yexen, we were like, <laughs> Yexen's out there whispering rookie numbers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He is. And, like, you know, we, like, actually, like, learned about EV training and, like, Mm -hmm. all these things, like... So I spent hours on that game. And, you know, a big thing with Pokemon is, like, you know, there's the random battles. And so Sword and Shield did improve on a lot of things. Like, if you're hunting for Pokemon and you're able to see in the wild, that's pretty crazy. And I'll admit, like, the first time I saw, like, like a Gyarados... I was hyped because it was like, oh my god, you can just find a Gyarados and avoid like unnecessary Pokemon, mm. you know. Yeah. So it does work like you know, kind of like where you can you know, almost expedite some processes. Yeah. And so it does have like fixes that are actually I think were more necessary, but I think the secrets needed to be a lot more, you know, to make you want to explore more. Mm-hmm. Because if you explored the world enough, you would eventually see all these Pokemon. It's like. If you you know what a Steelix is, right? Like yeah. the evolved Onyx. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Steelix is like the size of a mountain. When you see it and it's like floating in midair, it is terrifying. Like it consumes the screen. It's awesome. Cool. cool but like, cool. you know, that's about like it. Like, you know, it's kinda like the spectacle is cool, but like you don't really like like it's that it's like face level, you know? Mm. And then like you touch it and then you go into a regular battle. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Like it's an experience. And they're very short. Like like, oh, you're going to love seeing this old Pokemon. Or you're going to love seeing it for a second, and then it's on your team, and it's all, like, as mm-hmm. normal as can be. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it boils down to, like, experience. And, like, when I'm buying a new Pokemon game, and, like, you know, honestly, I don't know if I'd buy the next generation, but I'd, I'd be pretty tempted because I'm always hoping yeah. that I'm going to get experience. I mean, I think, I think everybody will. I think Pokemon has built that kind of ecosystem, if we're being honest. It's crazy. That's what I'm saying. It's like... They the, the whole point that we made is that they don't have to innovate because they've created a brand that people love pretty much no matter what. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just the hope of being a gamer that you're going to play a game that you really think is going to be super special. But at the same time, they don't have to because more than likely people will return for the next one. Yeah, and that's what sucks. Like, you know, anytime I see like a Zelda trailer, like I'm just sheer joy 99% of yeah. the time. Even like... Zelda Link's Awakening on the Switch. Like, I played that game 20 times on my Game Boy Color, and I bought that thing as soon as I got it. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed the heck out of it. Yep. Even though I knew what was happening, because I was getting a new experience with something familiar, right? Yep. And Pokemon, like, it sucks, because I, like, own them all. You mm-hmm. know? I don't own, like, every version of every game, but I own at least one in the in all the mainstream titles. And it's, like... Because I'm, like, looking for, like, a new experience with all these games. Because I do love the Pokemon series. I wouldn't say it's my favorite Mm -hmm. by far. But I do enjoy a lot of games. And Pokemon just happens to be one of them. Mm -hmm. So it's not a bash on Pokemon in general. But I do feel like, especially with now that I've seen what the DLC has come about it. Getting a full assessment. Seeing it in action. Like, I'm just really underwhelmed. Mm. Mm. And it's, it's, it's sad because... Pokemon, as which is its own company now, is lacking on. They have the potential to do so much. Yeah. I think the measure of success for this particular episode of the podcast is if Yexen shares it with him and his Poke homies. <laughs> so me and Aaron. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, and, I mean, and a few yeah, others. No, he, actually, no, he, has, he actually, has a squad. He actually has some poke homies. No, I've definitely seen it on Twitter. There's oh, definitely yeah. been some stuff. Oh, where no, uh, yeah, you're more familiar with this. Where he, where he rolls deep, he'd be, he be, talking, he be talking to a lot of people about He Pokemon. does talk a lot. Of, you want to talk about anything else before we wrap this up? I mean, we were just talking about gaming because me and Brian could talk about gaming for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Yeah, we definitely um, could. I think I think the main thing is like you know I even revisit old games like um yeah Brian was here with me when I was downloading the Super Nintendo emulator mm. for the Switch yeah and I saw his game called Breath of Fire two and then Brian like literally had like a visceral reaction I was like, oh yeah that joint is fire and I didn't know <laughs> I had, I was like what is this game like Capcom RPG okay. and you're like bro you don't even know and I played like the first five minutes and it was instantly a new experience because yeah. I never played it mm-hmm. I, I'm a Mega Man X boy through and through so I was like looking for that. But I was like, oh, look at this game. And I was sucked in immediately. I'm in the middle of playing Xenoblade. I'm in the middle of playing Horizon Zero Dawn. And I stopped everything to play Breath of Fire 2. Also games like, that I love. Yeah. Horizon and Zero I was Dawn just and like, where's this game been my whole life? Which and is this, crazy because it's not even the best Breath of Fire in my opinion. It's just crazy. It's, good it's, it's a 20, 25-year-old game now. Yeah. And it just it hooked me instantly. So it doesn't have to be old, new, graphical. Not. It's just like new experience like are you playing something different than you have before and i have brian can attest to it because he's literally surrounded by i have a crap ton of games you do and i don't buy everything Mm. so you do that's true you don't (laughs) i don't your boy can be frugal (laughs) but um yeah and i was just like instantly captured by a game that's 25 years old yeah and i'm not by the new pokemon you didn't buy the DLC. You bought the new Pokemon is what you're saying. That's the end of the story. End of the story. That'll wrap up the episode pretty much. I do want to bring up just one random tangent thought that I had because I was like, you know what's actually really great is that when you're talking about something and you don't know if somebody else knows what you're talking about, but then they know exactly what you're talking about and they join right in Mm -hmm. and they like come in right alongside you. That's great. Let me tell you this story real quick because this is completely unrelated to this whole Pokemon thing. Clenching the seat. So, (laughs) again... I'm, I'm dating this girl right now and I'm talking to her about BTS and I'm talking to her about like which which our group of friends is which similar to which member of BTS right and again most people here on this podcast who are listening to this podcast may or may not know the joke that I'm making but essentially I, I'm explaining different people to different things and I'm saying like Yexin is our Jin Jin he just I say that as somebody like he's the oldest in the group. He's kind of the quiet, quiet soft spoken one. He's kind of like the the one that looks out for people, but he's soft spoken. But he he likes dad jokes, right? So I say this I say this to the girl that I'm dating, and then she's like, "Oh, Jin, yeah, worldwide handsome." And that's like that's the exact joke that he makes whenever he introduces himself in interviews. It's like he's like, "My name is Jin. I'm I'm worldwide handsome." And I was just like, uh, "She gets it." She <laughs> like, because Yaxon would make that dumb joke. Yeah, he probably would do some shit like that. <laughs> Anyways, the whole point is that those moments of serendipity are actually always super fun, super great. Just to just to lighten up our little rant on Pokemon with like two minutes of shenanigans right there. Always shenanigans. Always shenanigans. Uh, time to wrap this thing up. Uh, you can like, follow, subscribe on different platforms. So that includes Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast. I had to think about it. I always have to think about it. I really should have this written down somewhere at this point, but I don't. We're and if record you record it one day with a little jingle, we probably should. Because I mean, to be honest, I could probably get like one, like five cents per every time somebody listens to this, just for the ad of doing the anchor ad. But I've never done the anchor ad. Anyways, that's unrelated. 
noahappinesspodcast at gmail.com if you have any comments or if you want to be a guest on the podcast. I can still do distance podcasting, but right now it's just convenient to do in-person podcasts for when I don't have a guest ready necessarily. So we're doing that. And, uh, okay. Bye.